Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Rays beat the Astros on Sunday 3-2 behind Blake Snell and Malik Smith. They finish a homestand in which they face the Yankees, Nationals, and Astros at 8-1. They're now one game above 500 on the season at 42-41 as they now take on a stretch of the next six weeks where all but two teams are below 500 in the standings. They can make up some serious ground as they're 11 games back of the wild card. We'll talk to Tom Jones about that who was at Tropicana Field on Sunday. We also talked to him about his column about why the Glazers should dump Jameis Winston now after he was suspended three games for the NFL for violating their personal conduct policy. The Lightning do not win the John Tavares free agent sweepstakes, but they do re-sign Ryan McDonough on their blue line to a seven-year deal. And LeBron James is taking his talents to Long Beach as he joins the Lakers on a four-year, $154 million deal. All that and more coming up on Sports Day Tampa Bay as I'm Steve Versnick filling in for Rick Stroud once again, who's on a long vacation. But first, Rick's going to tell you about a special offer from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Hey, it's Rick Stroud here for my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Folks, we have got a special just for the listeners of this podcast. You want to jump on this, you won't believe it. If you go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds and spend a minimum of $2,000, right? That's pretty much any jewelry you get. Look what Andy's going to do for you. You're going to get a free cruise. That's right. You heard me. A free cruise just for my listeners. And all you need to do is just let Andy from Continental Wholesale Diamonds know that you heard about this ad from me or from Steve or from Sports Day Tampa Bay. You're going to receive a five-day, four-night cruise for two. And get this, who lets you do this? You can even pick your own cruise lines. You've got to go see Andy for more details. Now, look, don't waste your time shopping in the mall for jewelry. they got a huge overhead, which means higher prices for you. Continental Wholesale Diamonds provides you with exquisite jewelry. they got a great selection, one-on-one customer service, always, always wholesale prices. That's why they're so easy on the pocketbook. And best of all, no pressure. No pressure at all. If you're ready to pop the question, or get engaged, that sort of thing, or maybe an anniversary present for your wife, go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. He's going to pour you a nice scotch. He's going to help you find that perfect diamond for your loved one. You can buy the ring and get a free honeymoon cruise. How great is that? I mean, come on. you got to jump on this. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Tell them Rick Stroud sent you. All right, so Rick Stroud continues his month-long vacation out on the West Coast. Actually, it's, I think it's only a couple weeks, but we'll it call it a month. It feels like a month. We'll call yeah. it a month. Uh, so Tom Jones is sitting in with us today. And, Tom, you were at Tropicana Field, as was I this afternoon, as the Rays finish off a three-series homestand that they go 8-1 and one on, facing the New York Yankees, who have the best record in baseball at the time when they played them, the Washington Nationals, who are in the wild-card hunt in the National League, and the Houston Astros, who are leading the AL West, who I think is the best team in baseball, particularly Same the pitching here, staff. Yep. Um, yep. So they're at the top. And the Rays go 8-1 and one against them, beating pitchers like Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton, Justin Verlander, uh, just to name the Astros pitchers. Max, Max Scherzer. Max yeah. Scherzer for the Nationals they beat. Gio Gonzalez, who struggled of late, mm-hmm. but still a pretty good pitcher. Um, the best homestand ever in Rays history? 
I think so. Yeah, because of what you just mentioned, Steve. You mentioned the three teams that they faced. I think the Nationals, uh, they're, they're, they haven't. Now, look, I realize it was kind of a goofy trip for them. They got in late one night and then had to play a day game after a night game when they got here still. Um, that That's the way the schedule worked out. The Yankees are, are, are a really good baseball team. And I think the Houston Astros, I, I'm with you, I think it's the best team in baseball. And to beat those three teams eight out of nine games and the one game you lost was a one nothing game, uh, yeah, I, I would put that up there as the, as the greatest homestand in the history of the franchise. I guess they had one more technically that was a better record. I don't I don't remember uh, like who they played on that uh, that homestand. It was in 2013. You, I don't remember the teams either, but I remember seeing the note. I can't imagine it's better than one. these. They went nine and one, so it was one right. extra game. And I can't imagine those three teams had 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 were as good as the three teams that they just faced here with the pitching that they just faced here. So yeah, I absolutely would think. And here's here's the encouraging thing about this, Steve, is when you look coming into this latest stretch here, the Rays were beating up on the really bad teams in baseball. They were playing like what seven hundred baseball against teams with with losing records, but they were getting wiped out by the pretty good teams. This trip or this homestand, and even really going back before this homestand, uh, a couple, uh, you know, they played well in Houston, played well in New York. So they're actually starting to play well against some uh, some pretty good teams. And now they got a huge stretch coming up against really bad baseball teams again. These next six weeks could get really interesting. Now, the problem is, I don't think they gained any ground in the playoff hunt. I mean, this. They've gone nine and one, eight and one here, and they're still what double digits behind Seattle for the second wild card. But, um, but I, there's no reason you can't get excited about where this team might be in six weeks from now. Well, the encouraging part is, is yes, they really haven't gained any ground because the month of June we said for the Rays was going to be tough. When you looked at the schedule, there was only one series against teams below 500. That was the Blue Jays in the middle of the month. So take the whole month of June, and we'll count July first as part of that because the Astros series right. carried over. They ended up finishing 14 and 14 in that month. So it wasn't a great month, but they started 0 and 7. Yeah. <laughs> so they lost the first seven. They went 14 out of 21 to end the month um, to stay. Now, Seattle's won 11 in a row, and that's why you have, or seven in that's a row. Why you that's why yeah, you, you haven't, haven't made up any, any yeah. ground. But the encouraging thing is, and, and I still think it's a long shot for the Rays to make the playoffs, but right. you're 11 games back of Seattle for the wild card, the second wild card. But there's only one team between you and the Mariners. It's not like you have to jump six or eight teams to get there. That's right. when it become that's when the math becomes impossible because some of those teams are gaining wins every night. You've only got yeah, o- when you, Oakland's the only team ahead of you in that wild card hunt for Seattle. When you think back to that time that I the the one sixty two year when Longoria hit the home run that mm-hmm. that year they came back from way back against like the nine, Red Sox nine games in the final month or something like that but they right. had one but, team to catch but one team to catch that's exactly right so the math is the, sort of the same this time around but I look at this the boy the thing that just blows me away Steve is I can't get over the pitching I know what you know we can talk about the hitting and they've and they've certainly improved here in, in recent weeks as far as hitting the, hitting the baseball and they're getting a little more consistent offensively but I cannot get over how good this pitching has been what the best ERA in baseball since uh, or in numerically since what May 1st or something like well, that Well May 19th since they started the opener they have the best since ERA they started this 9 game homestand only once did they give up more than 2 runs in a game that's amazing. And that was when and look they, they beat the Yankees seven to six last Sunday, a week ago. And think of those lineups. Think of that Yankee lineup. The Yankees and the Red Sox, along with the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros. So those are the to me the three best offensive lineups in baseball. And you look at what Houston throws out there night after night, what the Yankees throw out there night after night. Those guys, they got home run hitters all over the place. They're going to run into one now and then. And to hold those teams to the few amount of runs that you held those teams. And the the to, Astros have a really good lineup. They scored seven runs all by home run. 
They didn't score right. on any other way but home runs. And in the four it, game to, I look at so I look at this. I don't know if it's going to hold up, Steve. I mean, we we talked about this recently on a podcast that I don't know if these relievers are going to run out of gas at some point. Now Wilmer Font Wilmer Font's going to be out for about eight weeks. He was pitching yeah. really well. You he talk about fi- right. you talk about finding someone out of the scrap heap. <laughs> I mean, they moved him, you know, the, the, they look back at last year when he was in the PCL and had a great year, and he was pitching from the, the third base side of the rubber, where the Dodgers and A's had him pitching from the first base side. They moved him back to the third base side, and he looks like a really good pitcher in the Major League Baseball. It's, it's incredible. He's, he, no, he was, he was pitching outstanding when he had to come out of the game the other night. And then Blake Snell. Steve, I predicted before the season, I don't think I was going out on some long limb here, that I said he was going to have a really good season. We started to see signs of it at the end of last season. Yeah. I don't know if it was, you know, the first couple of years up here, you know, there was some there was some talk that maybe he just, you know, he just wasn't mature enough yet or that he, he just wasn't used to the rigors of, of Major League Baseball or he, he didn't trust his stuff maybe as much as he does now. I, and I actually made a joke today, and I, maybe it wasn't so much of a joke because I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Jim Hickey, the pitching coach, but I was teasing in a press box with somebody that, well, clearly he had to get away from Jim Hickey to become the pitcher he was. And like I said, I was kind of joking about it, but now I'm starting to wonder if there might be a little bit to that. I think Jim Hickey was a guy that could be a little bit intimidating for younger pitchers maybe, and I don't know what his relationship was with Blake Snell, but Blake Snell has become, he looks like a totally different kid than he was two years ago. Now, again, we saw signs of it at the end of last season. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't, wouldn't go as far as, I mean, I know Blake has come out in, in the offseason was saying he had a lot of personal issues last year that affected his game, particularly right. the mental side of the game more than anything. Um, yeah. and, and that's where I've seen the biggest maturity out of him. And, and the biggest growth this season is, is when things happen, an error behind him or a play's not made or something happens, he doesn't let it affect the next batter, the next pitch. You know, he he he's he separates it and, and OK, this is what I got to deal with. Let me pitch. And he doesn't he doesn't let things snowball into, you know, OK, I, I made a bad pitch and maybe the guy got a home run or or they you know did something. It doesn't snowball to the next batter and the next batter after that. And then also right. you've got a, a rally and a problem. You know, he, he pretty much limits it to he's pitching batter by batter, even pitch by pitch. And it, it's really it's a, it's a big improvement last year. And we started to see it at the end of last year. But this year he's taken it to another level. Eleven wins now. Uh, most likely going to be an all-star. There's no way you can keep him off that team. Levin wins, and a big thing that, that they got out of him Sunday, and again, this is so important when you're talking about a team that constantly throws relief pitchers out there and they're starting relief pitchers, and they're, some nights they're using seven or six or seven of them, is how deep he went into the game. He went, what, into the eighth inning on Sunday, and, uh, and you know, ten strikeouts. And that's the thing. If you can just get innings, that, because when you have these guys, these relievers going every pretty much every – what, three out of four days almost, uh, you need somebody to go deep into ball games. Blake Snell, because if Blake Snell were to go out there and give you a, a bad four-inning game, five-inning game, boy, that really taxes your bullpen. But he saves the bullpen on a day like Sunday, and they only have, what, used two other relievers on Sunday. So. And Andy Freed and Dave Wills in their postgame today, and I was listening to it, mentioned that when they, they do their pregame interview with Kevin Cash a couple hours before the game, and, and they do what's on tape and you hear on the pregame, but they also talk to him beforehand. They said sure. as they were walking out the door, the last thing Kevin Cash told him was, I don't know what we do if Blake doesn't go deep today. Yeah. Had no idea how he was going to pitch that game. And Blake Snell did go deep, pitched a great game. And Charlie Morton did, too. I mean, the other thing is he's, oh, matching, he's matching Charlie Morton, one of the best pitchers in, in the American League, pitch by pitch. Yeah, no, they, they needed a deep game out of him. And, and, and uh, look, he got some good defense. Malik Smith made a heck of a catch in center field, which is – not exactly what you expect because Kevin Kiermaier wasn't in the lineup, uh, didn't start the game in the lineup. Uh, you expect that out of Kevin Kiermaier, but he got some really nice defense behind him. 
um, some big strikeouts when he needed it. And, uh, you know, really, other than throwing one bad pitch, Blake Snell, that would have been a shutout for him. He three, you know, he, he ran, Gaddis ran into one. Um, but other than that, boy, Blake Snell, it's just, it's just been terrific. So could you imagine where this team would be if, if I, I mean, they're in pretty good shape as it is, but I mean, if Chris Archer had managed to stay healthy, if a couple of these other guys, if, uh, well, Jake you know, Faria was still healthy. Jake Faria was, yeah. I mean, boy, uh, Anthony Bonda was looking good <laughs> till he got hurt. I mean, you know, you thought by now Brent Honeywell was going to be up here as well. And maybe Jose De Leon would have been up here by now. Um, Here's the question I have, Steve. Though, okay, let's 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 map this out over the next four weeks. Well, you got well today's. You know, we're we're taping this. It's July first. Yep. You have to the trade deadline is at the end of this month, but the non waiver trade deadline. Yep. Um, okay, so let's say you like they got. The, I just mentioned a few minutes ago. They got this stretch coming up where they're playing teams like the Marlins and the Mets. And the Tigers and the Twins. I mean, and the Orioles. There's some bad baseball teams they're playing here in the next few weeks. And let's say you can. I think. I think I look. I looked it up. 29 out of their next 35 games. That's a pretty yep. sizable chunk. Before the trade team, deadline, you only have three teams against winning or three games against winning teams. That's the three Yankees, games. Yankees at Tropicana Field. The Angels are right after the the trade deadline. Right, and the Angels are right at 500. They may Correct. not even have the winning they're, they're record tied by the time with the they come they're, they're tied with the Rays right now, one game over. One game over. So not only are you playing teams with losing records, but you're playing a few teams that are near the bottom of baseball. Yes. And so let's say you go on a pretty good run here. Let's say you win out of the next uh, you know, 20, 25 games. Say you run a pretty good record. Say you go 17-8 and eight, you know, and sort of get yourself back into the mix of things and, and say that – Mariners go 500, and you find yourself on July 27th, 28th, and you're, say, five games out of a playoff spot, which is possible. Now, all of a sudden, what do you do when you start getting phone calls for Wilson Ramos? You start getting phone calls for Chris Archer. At that point, I mean, I, I think I know which way the race should go with that, but it's also, I mean, for the first time this year, really in a couple years, Race fans, I think, are excited about this team. I'm getting the emails. You hear from people. There was a real sour taste in people's mouths in this offseason when it looked like they were tanking. That's what everybody thought. This team's tanking. They're giving away Longoria. They're giving away Corey Dickerson. They're giving away um, Stephen Souza uh, Jr. Stephen Souza Jr., right. Uh, they're, uh, Jake Odorizzi leaves. Mm-hmm. So they're getting rid of all these guys, and there's, there's this feeling that, okay, they're not really trying to win this year. And then they are winning. And now people are, I'm getting emails, like I said, every day. People are excited. How about this race team? They're exciting. They're excited about Willie Adamas. They're excited about Jake Bowers. They feel like there's something coming here. And if you were to go ahead and make a trade and give away Wilson Ramos, who, like you said, is going to be an all-star, and trade Chris Archer, who uh, I know he's been out, but clearly still. Well, he's probably got to get the, back first before they can. Right. That's that's true. But if what well, how? What do they do, Steve? Do they, do they make those deals, or, or do they well, have to worry about the reaction they're going to get? I think you have to look at a couple of things. I think, one, how, where is Seattle at? And you said, if, okay, if you're five games out of a playoff spot, have you endured any more injuries that, doesn't, that makes you believe you can't sustain this? I, I'm right. still, I, I've said all along, I thought their pitching would be okay this year, but I, I never thought they could string hits together the way they have this year. Never thought they mm-hmm. could. They, they've, I, they've proven me wrong, and now you're halfway through a season. If you remember last year, they were in it at the trade deadline, and they added a bunch of relief pitchers because that was their that was their problem. And it turns out their offense went in the tank, and they couldn't hit the rest of the season, right? And and fell out of it. I, I, you know, look, Danny Echeverria is going to be traded. 
Yes. You're going to trade him no which matter what. Happens, which, which, got, which is fine. Which is fine. Because you've got Willie Adamas behind. Right. Wilson Ramos, Archer you could trade. If, if you feel if the, the package coming back is good enough, I think you could trade him still. Wilson Ramos is the one I don't know if you do. Mm-hmm. Um, because who do you replace him with? You're, well, you're going you're gonna to lose him at the end of the year, and you'll get compensation for him because he'll sign somewhere. You'll get a draft pick compensation. But you have no one to replace him with in your system. Right. You don't have another catcher. You don't, you know, unless unless you're trading, you know, in a Chris Archer deal, you're getting a catcher back that that you can right. work with and you could possibly trade Ramos. But I I think if you're in it come late July, I think Ramos stays on this team. I think they're going to I think they'll they'll try it. They'll try to see if they can make a run. I wonder what happens. They they could end up in sort of in no man's land, Steve, where like it's one thing if you're four or five games out, it's another if you're like eight or nine, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a pretty good run here, but you're still eight or nine games out and a couple other teams yeah. get in the mix there whether it's the Angels or you know whomever. Um, you're not going to win the East, obviously. No, and, no, you're going for you're going you're for, wild card for the number second two. wild card. Yeah. I mean, the right. Yankees and Red Sox. One of them's going to win the East. One's going to win the, the the first wild card, presumably, possibly the second if Seattle keeps up this pace. But now I, I realize the boost that you get and and the excitement that you gain if you were to make the playoffs, even if it's a one game playoff. But at the same time, if you're the Rays and if if you're looking at sort of the long term future of this franchise. Boy, how much do you sort of go all in on That's why I playing, think that, one, playing one game at New York or one game at Boston? Look, even you know? if they don't make the playoffs, if they're in it by the trade deadline, that's another reason to keep Ramos, assuming you're not getting a deal you just can't turn down. And, and I don't think you're going to get an overwhelming deal for Wilson Ramos at the deadline, right. unless a team's catcher goes down and they desperately need one. Could that, they sign that, him long-term? Is there any chance they could sign him long-term? Well, you got to remember who his agent is, Scott Boris. <laughs> so my guess is no. Yeah. Um, so, but with this team, you've got a young team, a group of young players that have been through some championships at lower levels. But even if even if, if you're in the race and you keep Wilson Ramos, and, and who's really good working with the pitchers too, that's the other part of this. Right. That if you keep him and make and try to make a run for it, you're playing competitive baseball for the next two months. And 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 you know. There's something on the line for your team, even if you're a little bit back, but you've got a shot. That's good experience for this group for next year right. and the year after that and the year after that to build a championship. It's not about, well, we're eight games out now. Let's just fold the towel in and play out the string. You want your guys playing competitive baseball and, and out there fighting for something every day. That's going to get them more experience than just going through the motions. And not that that's what Jake Bowers and Willie Adamas and, and all the young guys are just going to do, but – there is a different feel when you're when you're fighting for a playoff spot, even if it's a longer shot. Then you know, if, if you're just a young player on the Orioles right now, you're playing out the string. Uh, well, what's depressing about that situation is you're playing out the string, and I don't know where you're going either. I mean, the the Rays are on the up. They they could end up finishing 500 this year, and I think it would be looked at as a as a hugely uh, most people didn't season. have them winning 81 games. No, no, nowhere close it was to that. 70, and, if not less and, than that, for many people. And even if they had won 70, you could sort of see the plan, which was, okay, eventually they're going to bring Adamas up. Eventually they're going to bring Bowers up. Eventually Honeywell and DeLeon and all these guys that you've been looking at and we've been talking about for a couple of years are going to eventually be here. And, and, and now that's what you're, you're sort of building up. If you're the Orioles, I don't know. I mean, now you're, going to lose, you're going to lose your best player. Who's what twenty five years old or whatever? Well, you're probably going to trade him here at the deadline. You're going to trade. I mean, you're going to hopefully get some things back for him if you're the Orioles. But I mean, that's I would much rather be the Tampa Bay Rays right now than the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. Speaking of young as, players, one guy we didn't mention. How about Diego Castillo striking out Jose Altuve with the bases loaded late in the game? 
I'm telling you what. Now here's here's the funny thing. Okay, so the Rays at that time it was two to one in the eighth inning. They load the bases with one out. And well, first of all, I best. thought I thought he should have come in a batter sooner. Yes, I, I didn't yes. think Blake should have faced um, Bregman at the top Bregman. of the order. With, right, there was walked two on, him. Two on. He walked right. him. So also now that you got to bring Castillo in against Altuve with the bases loaded. You bring him in against Altuve at the base. So now I think Jose Altuve is as good a hitter there is in baseball. So there's a 2-2 pitch, which was up and in. and I don't know how Altuve got out of the way of it. Yeah, it and went up further he, in than it was supposed to. He set up inside. <laughs> it was supposed to be a fastball inside. It went further in than, than you thought. But now I know he didn't mean to miss the strike zone as badly as he did on the 3-2 pitch because no. that pitch wasn't even close. But Altuve, at the, because of the pitch before – Altuve swung at that. You even see Altuve like it was oh. almost like a sign of respect. Like shook his head, like "Yeah, you got me, man." Yeah, I can't he went, he went low and out, low and away. It was a, it should have been a ball. Altuve should have never swung. He should have walked home a run. Yep. And Altuve was shaking his head like, "Good pitch." You got, you <laughs> yeah, know, like it was, you it, totally got me. Yeah. The thing, I, and here's the thing: I thought he kind of bailed out. Castilla kind of bailed out uh, cash on that play because he had the infield in. I didn't like that move, actually. They had a shift on with the infield in. And I know what they were thinking, that there's no way they're going to turn two on Altuve. But at the same time, boy, if he pokes it through the infield, I mean, that, that was their thing that sort of – he almost needed a strikeout in that situation mm-hmm. because uh, if Altuve – if he puts it on the ground anywhere on the right side, pretty much it's a base hit. And he's such a good hitter if he gets it through the infield. Now you're losing. Now it's not a tie game. You're losing at that point. And then Malik Smith comes up, hits his first home run in like 17 years or whatever. Um, seriously, it was like he was. He had gone longer than he was any the longest major active streak non pitcher. Non pitcher. He's gone since like July of last year, almost a full year. 360 I mean, summit bats. The Reds had two pitchers hit grand slams since he's hit. <laughs> hit a home. Oh wait, that's been in like the last month. I know everybody on the Reds hits a grand slam in the last month. Uh, but he hits the so Malik Smith hits home run. It turns out that's a huge run because Romo gives up a homer to start the ninth. But uh but boy, what a what a nice win. And just that like I said, an entire game when you look at Blake Snell's pitching and Malik Smith, who had another big hit in that game as well. Um, and then uh Castillo's pitching. It was just a just a really nice performance. I'm like I said, I'm curious to see what happens here in the next few weeks with this team in terms of, of how much they're in. The other thing I wonder, too, Stephen, and all of us doubted the Rays. I don't know if all of us, but many of us doubted the Rays coming into the season. We didn't think it would be that great a season. And Eric Neander and, and Heimblum and all those guys were saying, oh, look, we're not tanking, we're not tanking, which I thought was just a way to get fans to still come to the games. Do you think that deep down they thought this team would be 42 and 41 right now, or do you think this is even surprising them a little? I think if you seriously asked them, they'd be, they would say they'd be surprised. Not that they didn't think the team could get there. Evaldi went down right before the season started. Now you're doing two bullpen days instead of one. Mm-hmm. Brent Honeywell, Jose DeLeon all having Tommy John surgery. Anthony Bonda, who comes up pitching well, having Tommy John surgery. Chris Archer has missed a significant portion of the season now, and he doesn't miss games. I mean, one of the right. things about Chris Archer, and we can have our debate, you know, whether he's an ace or a number two or number three, but he eats up 200-plus innings a year. Yeah. And he's right. not doing but, that this year. And if you start laying those circumstances out, and, and then you traded Alex Colomay and Denard Span, mm-hmm. and that they were still going to be 42 and 41, I think they'd say they were a little surprised. Now, would they think they were going to be 25 and, you know, where the Orioles are? No. But I think when you, you look at especially some of the starting pitchers that they had hoped for, you know, the bullpen day was supposed to be one day a week, not two, not three. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it's some of the injuries in that have forced it with Faria and Evaldi and, you know, being hurt. So 
I think if you look at the injuries that they've had, they would say, if you got them honestly, they would say they'd be surprised to be 42 and 41. But, you know, I honestly believe they didn't think they were tanking this season. And, and right. before the season we talked about it is when you looked at the moves, you know, okay, you traded Evan Longoria, but you had Matt Duffy ready to play there. Right. So, you know, is Longoria better than Duffy? Maybe for a year or two, but long-term, Duffy's going to be the better player as Longoria is up, up in age now. And, and Duffy's sure. the best hitter on the Rays. He's a better he hitter is. than Longoria. Longoria may have more power and maybe a little better defensively, although Duffy's been pretty good defensively. Yeah, and when they made the deal for Duffy, I think this is what they were expecting. This is not a surprise to them that he's hitting three, whatever he's three, three, yeah, fifteen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Malik has been a pleasant surprise offensively, but when you got rid of Corey Dickerson and Steven Souza, and you, you signed Carlos Gomez, the Souza deal, you felt you couldn't pass up Anthony Bondo, which when he was up here, we saw what talent he's got, and he's going to be a good sure. pitcher. Yeah. Um, so you know, you can kind of understand that move when you start. You really start evaluating the moves they made. Uh, you know, I, I believe them when they said they weren't tanking. Now, did I believe they thought they could win the World Series this year? No. Right. And, and I still don't probably think that. But it's, the team has been a lot more fun than I thought. They've put a lot more hits together back-to-back than I ever thought they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their pitching has, has battled all year. I mean, they stay in games. They've, I think it's 36 one-run games now they've played. Yeah. This season out of 80, you know, two or 83 games they're in now, and they're 16 and 20 in those games. Well, and the other thing I said this before the season when I was sort of sort of coming on board with what they were trying to do is like, okay, look, okay, yeah, they're trading their best players from a team that did what last year? It's not like they won 94 well, games the last, last year made the playoffs. The last four yeah. years. Yeah, they, they were a, they were a 500. If everything went well, they were a little over a 500 team. They weren't a playoff team, no. even with Longoria and Susan Dickerson and Oruizzi and whoever else you want to throw in there. So, um yeah, I didn't think they would be this good. No way did I think they'd be this good. But I also didn't have a huge problem with some of the moves there. I, well, I didn't expect they Daniel Robertson to, to hit as well as he has, and he kind of retooled his swing in the offseason. Never, you know, practically never heard of Joey Wendell, and he's done decent for them offensively. Oh, really speaking of Joey Wendell, by the way, nice base running on Sunday too, sort of suckering in. Uh, yeah, was what was Reddick Josh Reddick thinking? I don't, know. I, mean, I don't get outfielders that are just holding on to the ball out there when there's runners on base. I mean, you don't have just to throw, throw it, it to in. third base, but throw it to the cutoff man. Or, throw it anywhere. Or, or run it in. <laughs> run, you know, if you're not sure where to throw it yet because there's several base runners on, run it in. But what a nice job. Yeah, what a nice job by Joey Wendell, uh, sort of suckering him into that play. So, boy, I'll tell you, they're a fun team to watch. That's all, I, I know that. I don't know. They're not going to make the – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I don't know that – Look, uh, last year they hit a lot more home runs, and that was great. But the amount of times we watched Steven Souza Jr. complain about a called third strike that was right <laughs> down the middle or Corey Dickerson swinging everything out of the zone the second half of the year that he couldn't touch. Um, you know, last year you just kind of felt like they would get down and you were like, there's no shot. Right, you just never felt like that that team had a shot to come back, um, and the pitching was pretty good, and, and you know especially the second half of the year the offense fell off, but it was home run or nothing. This this team, as you said, it's fun. They may not win sure. every game, they may not they may not come close to the playoffs, especially if Seattle continues on this pace that they're on, which I still think they're not as good of a team as their record. I says, agree. But, I agree. I mean they've got good pitching and they don't beat themselves, so that helps. But. You know, I think at some point they're going to come back a little bit. Can the Rays this next month and a half, when they play six teams uh, with a winning record through August twelfth, you know, can they can they put a surge on there and, and make a, a charge? We'll see. All right, now we'll switch gears to Jameis Winston. Tom, uh, your <laughs> columns have uh, drawn some ire from Bucks fans as you feel the Glazers should have already cut Jameis Winston. 
after the NFL has suspended him for three games, saying that the Uber driver story was credible and consistent. And Jameis has come out and apologized since, saying he's given up alcohol and and the usual needs to do better kind of stuff. Uh, Tom, I know you've you've been on a few radio shows in that, but yeah, I, I know you've gotten a lot of support in emails and tweets, but you've also gotten a lot of ire. So it's funny how it's all gone, Steve. Because when I wrote the first column just a week ago, when the word first started to leak out that okay, he's going to get a three game suspension, it wasn't official yet, but Strad was reporting it, and Adam Schefter and people like that, and. At that point, I, I wrote the column right away. Get rid of him. I've seen enough. Enough second chances. Uh, just a history of bad decisions. I just think he's a bad guy, and they should get rid of him. The reaction was, I would say, probably 60-40 against me or sort of supportive of Jameis, or at the very least of, hey, let's wait and see what the NFL is going to say first. Let's not uh, – let's not uh, – you know, sort of an innocent until proven guilty type of uh, defense for Jameis Winston. And then the NFL comes out with the statement that you just mentioned a moment ago where they felt the Uber driver was, her testimony was credible and consistent. And I wrote, okay, now it's on the Glazers. Everything, I, you know, Jameis, up until now, it's been on Jameis. From here on out, it's on the Glazers. And the reaction I've gotten from that has now flipped. And it's probably stronger, more 70-30 supporting the idea that the Bucks part ways with him. And then I wrote yet a third column, which was sort of a reaction to some of the emails that I was getting about, well, hey, look at what other teams have done. For example, and the three names that kept coming up to me. And I realized that. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There are varying degrees of seriousness in the crimes that may or may not have been committed. Um, Kobe Bryant, who was alleged to have, somebody claimed that he had raped them back uh, years ago, earlier in his career. Ben Roethlisberger, who was also suspended by the Pittsburgh Steelers, or by the NFL, um, uh, because of a, a, a um, sexual um, assault allegation. And then you had the Ray Lewis situation with the uh, um, murder case uh, many years ago. Now, all three of those guys have sort of outplayed their troubles. You look at Ben Roethlisberger, he's played for a Super Bowl since then. The Steelers kept him, played for a Super Bowl, and may play for more before his career is over. Kobe Bryant won a couple of championships after his situation. Ray Lewis won a Super Bowl after his situation. So a lot of people are writing me saying, hey, you look at, at, at those teams, they stuck with their guy, uh, and, and turns out that it was the right move not only on the field, but off the field it looks like, you could make the case that all three of those guys sort of reformed themselves or reformed their reputations and went on to be productive people. Um, so I wrote another column about that saying, look, I don't think that those guys have outplayed their troubles because we still bring up Ben Roethlisberger and Ray Lewis and Kobe Bryant as guys who had problems in their career. So it's been weird. Now, I will say this, Steve. You mentioned I did a couple of radio shows. I did uh, Tiki Barber's show and I did Sarah Spain's show on ESPN. And the national perspective on this is clearly anti-Jameis. 
Uh, they, there's no ambiguity in terms of how the rest of the country feels about Jameis Winston. They, it's, it's really, um, if I think if Bucks fans truly were to look out at how the rest of the country is looking at this franchise right now, they'd be embarrassed by it. And I think a lot of, now again, it's easy for, it's easy for all of us who don't get paid by the Bucks or, and our, our, it doesn't matter whether the Bucks win or lose. It's easy for us to say, yeah, get rid of the guy. I realize that the Bucks are in a different situation. Well, I think everyone said that about Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys. The Cowboy fans exactly. didn't, but everybody else yeah. did. Um, you know, my biggest problem with the Jameis suspension and everything is why is it only three games? Tom Brady yeah. got four for deflating footballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you smoke marijuana and you can get a year. Why is if if the Me Too movement and and domestic violence and sexual harassment and abuse is important to the NFL, and they keep saying it is. And the suspension's supposed to start at six games. Right. That's what their policy says. That's what Ezekiel Elliott got. Why? And, and this isn't Jameis's first foray in it. Granted, the first time since he was in the NFL it's happened, but we know that there was an incident at Florida State. Now, what happened, we don't know, and there was a settlement in that. But Well, apparently when he came in the NFL, too, he met with the NFL. He did. He, he said, look, judge, yeah, me, um, judge me from this point forward. You're not going to have right. any problems with me, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this happened after his rookie season, and it's only three games. Um, you know, and, and this is the whole thing in, in, with punishment in general, and this is a, a bigger debate, and we don't have to have this and don't plan to, but when when you do something, there's supposed to be a punishment, like in society. If you, you, know, you do something and you end up going to jail, once you're out of jail, you're supposed to have served your time and, and be able to move on with your life for the most part. There's a few crimes we you have to do special things for, like child molesting or something like that, sure. where you have to register. But, you know, so... It, there is something to be said for, and I'm not saying in this case that James just made a mistake. Forget about it. And as an organization, you could move on or you could stick by your guy. It does, it's, a, it's your choice as an organization once he serves his punishment, which the team doesn't provide, the league does. But I just find it weird how it's only three games I, after what their statement says. I mean, all along, everyone was saying it's a he said, she said. We have No one will ever know what happens and this. The NFL came out pretty much said this is what happened. Yeah. No, they, they they look. There was no ambiguity in their statement. They clearly believe something happened. Now, what they believe happened and what they can actually prove one hundred percent happened might be two different things. And maybe that's why they went to Jameis and said, "Look, here's what we got. Here's what we're going to say. If you don't fight it, clearly this is what happened." Well, they definitely didn't want it, an appeal. They, all, they didn't right, want. They, they, they wanted want this to just be done with. Right, and I think they get their point out too that Jameis, uh, you know that. Um, it still looks like they were tough on this. It still looks like they 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 came out and well. The and, tough part is is if it happens if something happens again, you could be banned from the NFL. Right, right. The thing that that I keep coming back to, Steve, though, it's, is how split this community is on this. Like I said, I've gotten a bunch of emails, and I know there have been uh, comments on these stories, and there have been other things written on the internet, and uh, and it seems like, but it seems like the emails that I've gotten, I would say. Boy, nine out of every ten emails I've gotten in the last couple of days have been very much. They agree with my column. They don't. They they say they will never follow the Bucks again. I fully expect that when he comes out for Game Four, um, that he'll get a standing ovation. Well, that'll be, that'll be at Chicago. That'll be at Chicago. Yeah. Well, yeah. The first home game. I yeah. Guess. So Cleveland in Week uh, Seven, which is the sixth game. But it just also goes to show you too. It's funny. Like I wrote the the uh, Ben Roethlisberger slash Ray Lewis slash Kobe Bryant column. And I heard from several people from Pittsburgh who were like, <laughs> oh, I, I disagree with what Winston did, but you were wrong to put Ben Roethlisberger name here. He didn't do he didn't do anything wrong. And all of a sudden they go on this big launch, this defense for 
for Ben Roethlisberger. It's just like, ugh, don't you see what you're doing? It's, it, it's, it's. I'm telling you, I, and I'll probably get in trouble for this. I have never seen fans like I think you know Bucks fans. There are many Buck fans who are supporting Winston. Many FSU fans who are supporting Winston. When you have a combination of Bucks slash FSU diehards who are both. Man, well, oh man. He won him a national championship at Florida State, it's, and he was supposed to be the franchise quarterback here for 15 years. Yeah. Now, he might still be, but that's, exactly. you know, that, that's, you know, nope. The Bucks have never signed a quarterback. Rick Strauss says this all the time. The Bucks have never yeah. signed a quarterback to a second contract. So it'll be interesting what say, the Glazers do with well, Winston. Well, it'll forward. be interesting what they do, and it's going to be based on how he plays on the football field. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It has nothing to do with well, – I think it'll be based on how he plays, but it may also be based on where they pick next year in the draft. I mean, they start 0-3 and have a bad season, and they end up with a top-10 pick, and they decide, let's take a quarterback. I wonder, too, if you know if this thing goes south in a hurry this year, if the Glazers take into account um, – take that into account in determining the futures of Jason Light and Dirk Cutter. That's a discussion that, that I'm sure Stroud will have later on. Well, I, I, I think I think that, that discussion is, if you're going to move on from Jameis, do you think those are the right guys to pick and groom your next franchise quarterback? That's true. That's true. It, it's not going to be based on what happens this year. It's going to be, do you believe these guys are the ones to do that? If, you, if you're ready to move on. Right. Right. Well, I again, I uh, I think the fan support the fan support will go and come and go depending on how the team plays. If Jameis Winston comes back, plays really well, I think most fans will get back on board with it. They're already making excuses like, "Wow, this really wasn't that bad." You know, this you know, grow he just groped or it wasn't. And here's the other here's the other bizarre thing I get, Steve, is that people write me and say, "Oh, you never did those sort of things when you were 20? Uh, and I like, "No." I know I never grabbed somebody who was driving a car against their will. No, I never did that. So uh, that that's the other thing. Now, look, I, was I perfect at age twenty? Not perfect, but boy, never accused of anything like that. So the Lightning lose out on John Tavares, the free agent uh, from the New York Islanders, signs with his hometown team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you saw his tweet that he put out <laughs> on Sunday afterwards this. of him asleep under Toronto Maple Leaf sheets, uh, saying. <laughs> It's not often you get to 12. make your, your childhood dream come true or something along those lines, paraphrasing. but uh, That was the greatest. That was, the, that was one of my favorite tweets of all Now, Islander fans hated it, but that was one of my favorite tweets of all time. And if I'd have known that that photo existed, I would have told you like two weeks ago, oh, he's going to Toronto. Are you kidding me? It's not really a surprise, I don't think. I think San Jose probably had a legit chance only because of the, the cap space they have and the roster they've assembled. Lightning would have had to make a lot of moves to make that work, and, and granted, playing with Stamkos' childhood buddy, and, and they've played together for years growing up, uh, would have been intriguing too. And the Lightning are, of course, built to win right now. Uh, but yeah. Toronto's got a, you know, a great young roster. Mike Babcock is the coach. Brendan Shanahan running everything there. Um, it's hometown. Got a lucrative deal. He's going to get endorsements out the yin yang up there. Um, mm-hmm. Not really a surprise. A great move for the NHL. Uh, Absolutely. When when uh, he, when he's in your hometown now, and the and the Leafs can become even bigger, that's a good thing for the NHL. Bad news for the Lightning because yes, you're in the same absolutely. division. Um, and now you're going to have their t- top two lines are going to have Tavares and Matthews centering them. I looked at this situation as soon as I heard that Tavares. If you'd have told me, okay, first off, Tavares is not signing with the Lightning, my initial reaction, if I'm a Lightning fan, is okay. I think that's okay. Uh, I I think the Lightning's probably better off without John Tavares. Not because I don't like John Tavares. I think he's a terrific player, 
but they would have made they would have had to have made I believe some massive roster changes in the next couple of years. Ultimately, I think what it would have come down to is you're going to have to choose: did you want Tavares or did you want Kucherov? I don't think they could have signed both. I just maybe they could have. Maybe the math would have done such a way, but then they would have lost a ton of other guys. I looked at this, and quite frankly, Steve, I'd rather have Nikita Kucherov than John Tavares. He's a younger player. If you look at the numbers in the past couple of years, granted, Nikita Kucherov's been on a better team than John Tavares the last couple of years, but I like Kucherov better. I, I know he didn't have a great playoff this past season, but his previous postseasons, he's been really good. I think he's a really great player, and I, I would rather have him. So if I, my, my initial reaction is a light, if you're a Lightning fan is, hey, this is good news. But as soon as I found out he went to Toronto, then all of a sudden I'm thinking, ooh, that's not so good for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because what you wanted was one of two things. You wanted either staying with the Islanders, because he's been with the Islanders the last couple of years, and the Islanders still, even with John Tavares, I don't think they're that close to winning, even with Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorella, because those guys don't play. And San Jose would have been the other good choice for Tampa Bay because he'd have been out west. Dallas would have been fine, too. Dallas Dallas would have been fine. Dallas would have been great, yeah. Vegas, they were just talking about him going to Vegas. That would have been fine. But, boy, this Toronto, I I think now, Steve, you have two teams that are clearly the elite teams in the Eastern Conference, even better than Washington. I know Washington just came off the cup, but I'm looking right now, I'm already looking ahead that I fully expect Toronto and Tampa Bay, although it won't be a conference final, either being the first or second round, most likely. Um, Those two teams playing each other, Probably in the second round of the playoffs, and and that could be the the uh, basically that could be for the Stanley Cup right there. Yeah, I think I, I I wanted them to sign Tavares, and I think it makes them a better team, even if you lose Kucherov in the future. And the reason I say that is is if you sign Tavares, Stamkos is moving to the wing now. They're going to play on the same line, and that's going to make Stamkos a better player. Stamkos is a good center. He's right now in his career and with his injuries and everything else, he's a better winger. The problem is the Lightning don't no have a, they don't have a center good enough to move Stamkos to the wing. Braden Point's the only one, but he's your shutdown center, and you don't want Stamkos on the wing of your shutdown line. <laughs> Stamkos and shutdown do not go. Yeah, in the same so sentence, that's right? why you're not going to see Point play on the same line as Stamkos. So this gives you a legit number one center to move Stamkos to 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 wing. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think long term Kucherov's going to be better than Tavares, mostly because of age and where they're at? Yes, but the Lightning don't have a legit number one center right now. To, that, that can move Stamkos to the wing. I mean, Stamkos is a good center, and he's fine for number one, but you don't have one that can force Stamkos to move to wing. And Stamkos, no, essentially you have Stamkos two numbers, has always two said number he'd one move center, to wing if there's centers. a center good enough. Right. They don't have that on this team. They've got a lot of really good centers. Tyler Johnson's good, uh, Yanni Gord. I mean, they've got a lot of good centers, but not, they got a bunch one, not, of number not one that you're going to move Stamkos to wing. A bunch of number two centers is what they got. Right. Braden Point's a number two, and Tyler Johnson's Braden Point could potentially two. be one, but because he's so yeah, good shutdown, you're not Yeah, but because of who you play him with, right. You're not putting Stamkos on his wing. Right, right. So no, that's a that's a legitimate point. I mean, you would have extended. Um, I don't want to say Stamkos's career. You would have extended his use his usefulness. I well, think I he think he be, becomes be a more a, bit, a better weapon. I mean, you know, last year he didn't have a lot of even strength goals. Most of his goals 12, were power play goals. Twelve even strength goals um, in eighty two games. And, and I also that. don't like Kucherov and him on the same line. That would have split that up too, which would have been good. But that's a whole different argument. Right. But moving Stamkos to wing and having a center good enough to do that is something I think the Lightning could really benefit from. Now, here's the other argument about signing Tavares. And again, I, I, I still think they're going to be better off in the long run. But um, 
the other argument you can make is if you sign John Tavares now, if you had signed John Tavares now, you have him. Now you have him for the next seven, eight years. There's no guarantee that Nikita Kucherov is going to be here in five years. He could decide to break the bank somewhere else. Somebody eventually might. Yeah, at the end, again, of, next we're season, talking, at the end of next season, yeah. he's a restricted free agent, which means right. you have the right to match any offer, that he, an offer sheet he might sign. Right, and that, and you may end up signing sort of a bridge contract to get him to his U. He might want to go to his UFA year, which it won't be that far down the line. Two or three years, um, probably. And the question is, the question years. is, is is Kucherov looking to break the bank, or is he looking what? to? Is he looking that I like this organization, I like Tampa, et cetera? And we may not know that, and he doesn't have to decide that today. No, but my gut feeling is he seems to me like a break the bank guy, and I don't blame him for that. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'd I'd be all for that if I was a, in his skates. But, um, but yeah, that would have been the advantages if you had assigned Tavares. Now you'd have, you would have had him for a long time. I don't know how it would have gone over. Look, Steve, he made it was a the the deal he signed was a eleven million dollar. I don't think the yeah. Lightning were offering eleven million a year. My guess I'm is they were not. offering eight and a half to nine around Stamkos money. And, and well, that's when you look saying, at Toronto compared to Tampa and the taxes and everything else, it's probably comparable. Maybe exactly. Not. Now you're going to get more endorsements in Toronto, and I, but I think with Tavares it was. It was more about where he felt the best fit was. I don't because he could have asked for more from Toronto, and, and the word is that uh, the Islanders offered more than eleven mil. They had up theirs, and I believe San Jose had offered more than eleven mil as well. And it was going to be a lot of money, no matter where he went. I, I do wonder if it gets to a certain point where, and it's easy for me to say because I'm not making that kind of money, but if it gets to a certain point where it doesn't even matter how much the money, the money's great, no matter where you're at. It's where's the best fit for you, where you're going to be the most mm-hmm. happy, what gives you the best chance to win. And, and your family had, and everything else. With and that family. Too. Tampa Bay had a lot going for it in terms of offering him a chance to win a cup right away. So, uh, again, it's not great news for Tampa Bay that he went to Toronto. But as a somebody who follows the National Hockey League, I really like this move. I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun whenever a superstar player goes to an organization that's sort of a marquee organization Toronto, it's I've always said the league is much more fun when Toronto's good, when Montreal's good, when the New York Rangers are good, just because those teams, you know, they're in big markets. Fans are excited. It's the hockey hockey capital world in Toronto. I I like it because every time they're on TV, now I'm gonna watch. I think it's an interesting team all of a sudden. And the Lightning, of course, did make a signing on Sunday. They signed Ryan McDonough to a seven year deal uh, worth about six point seven five million a year. So the Lightning now have three defensemen under contract after this coming season, joining Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, but by that time, we also expect Cal Foote to be up here. Uh, he's uh, just played in juniors last year and then finished the season at Syracuse. Eric Chernak may be up by then. Um, and then you'll have to make a decision at the end of this season on Coburn, Girardi, and Strawman, whose contracts will all be up. But you Ryan McDonough's always... signing, he's just turned 29. This contract will kick in when he's 30. I think it's a good signing short term. I wonder what he's going to be like at year six and seven when he's 36, 37 on this Well, it's going to be a horrible deal. It's going to be a horrible deal then, but that's the way the NHL works these days. You have to pay. You have, you're going to have to pay the guy on the tail end of his career if you want him in the next few years of his career. Um, and look, it's easy, Steve, in my opinion, to go out and find number five and number six and number seven defensemen for your roster. Mm-hmm. You can fill those guys any day of the week. It's really hard to find reliable top four defensemen. Mm-hmm. And if this all works out, if everybody can stay healthy over the next few years, yep. you're t- as you just mentioned, if you're telling me that in three, the next two, three, four years down the line, my top four defensemen are Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev, and Cal Foote, 
you're set. That's you're yeah. in pretty good. You shape. got Eric Chernak, who could be a five or six at that point. Maybe you maybe you sign Anton Strawman to a short term deal after this coming sure. season. I think Girardi and Coburn are probably done after this year with the Lightning. Right. Um, you know, and then you've you got Dominic Machine and a couple other young defensemen in the minors that you know we'll see how they progress over the next couple of years. But um, and then you know you know Eisman may make a trade or sign someone as well. So. Yeah, no, but it's but to have those top four locked on, you you put yourself in a pretty good spot. And I like Ryan McDonough. He's one of those guys, Steve, that when they picked him up, and I follow the hockey, National Hockey League pretty closely. I didn't realize. I thought he was like thirty one mm-hmm. when they picked him up. It seems like he's been in the league forever, and he just now just turned twenty nine. I yep. think yeah, about like 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 two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So he he's got a lot of years left in him. Yeah, no, and he was, and he was one of those players when he got to the Lightning. Kind of, I think he struggled a little bit at first, and once they found some pairings that worked with him, and he got in the system better as the season went on and through the playoffs, I thought he played a lot better. Right, and he was. Remember when he got here, he was injured too, and he hadn't played in a while. Yeah, so. that's true too. Once he knocked the rust off, I thought he was really good in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. uh, this good, good, good signing. I, I think he's uh, clearly this team's in 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 uh, win now mode, and this this certainly uh, keeps them. Uh, competitive for the next several years. And one more signing that was made public on Sunday, LeBron James signing a four-year deal with the Lakers for something like $154 million. Uh, so LeBron's taking his uh, talents to Long Beach, <laughs> I believe. That's. I don't know how I feel about this. On one hand, Steve, I'm kind of happy that he's leaving Cleveland because he's Cleveland wasn't going to – they had sort of maxed out, I think, what they were capable of doing. And, I again, this is another example of, okay, he's going to a marquee team. I think the NBA is more exciting when the Lakers are better now. Now they're relevant. A couple of things though about that is one, they're not, and they're going to have to make some more moves. And I don't know if they can make those moves this year. I don't know if the, if the Lakers are going to be in on Kawhi Leonard or if it's going to take a year before that works out. Um, and the other thing is, do we want LeBron playing games at ten thirty at night? I don't. I don't know if this is good or bad for the NBA ultimately. Uh, for the NBA, well, the Lakers being a good franchise is always good for the NBA. Yeah. Um, I mean, L.A. is now they have the NFL back, but it's still a Lakers town first. Lakers right. first, Dodgers second, mm-hmm. and then everybody else after that. So market number two, the most important team, the best team, gets LeBron James. That's huge for the NBA. It's huge for Los Angeles. It's not necessarily good for every East Coast basketball fan who's going to see LeBron James play at 1030 at night. Right. Uh, but as far as the league, as far as LeBron and endorsements, it's only going to help. Um, the Lakers Cavs series or the Lakers Celtics series now is LeBron yeah. versus Kyrie. Yeah, that'll so be let's, fun. You know, let's bring that back. An interesting tweet that I saw CBS Sports put out with LeBron signing now six of the top eight scores in NBA history have played for the Lakers. Six of the top eight that includes LeBron now, right? Yes, LeBron is one of those. And Kareem's the all-time, still the all-time leading scorer Kareem, right, in yep. NBA history. And then you met. We mentioned a little bit before. So Carl Malone, I we sort Carl of, Malone, I, yep, I, yep. But other than that, and I'm guessing Wilt Chamberlain, yep. is one. So that so that leaves two more. Two more. I don't. So, boy, I don't I don't know who the other two would be unless it would be. Are they guys that played with the Lakers for a while or yes. just had like and cups recent, of coffee? More, more recently too. Oh, Kobe. Kobe, obviously. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, and then uh, his partner for a couple rings. Oh, Shaq. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize Shaq was top yep. that top eight scorer of all time. And of time. course, the two that didn't play for the Lakers, uh, the two that did not play for the Lakers, um, Jordan, Jordan, and the other one still playing uh, today, still playing. Could 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 go to the Lakers at some point. Who LeBron, knows? Uh, I would have said, uh, could go to the Lakers. Not uh, 
not Kevin Durant. No, it's Dirk Nowitzki. It's too, oh, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. You mentioned Dirk, and somebody was talking the other day, and I'm trying to remember who it was. It was, some, it was on some NBA show, and they were making the, the argument that Dirk Nowitzki is, may have changed the game as much as any player in NBA history. And I, and I started thinking about it, and that he was really the first, like, seven-footer who started taking the game outside. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a true perimeter player at seven foot who could handle the basketball a little bit, but particularly could shoot because, you know, when you and I were, were younger, you know, seven-footers were guys that, boy, they never got more than like eight feet away from the mm-hmm. basket. And now it's it's pretty common. I mean, Kevin Durant's a seven-footer. Well, and, not only that, but I'm not a big NBA guy, so I, yeah. I may be off a little bit. But didn't he really kind of open Europe up to the NBA too? Yes, Yes, Where, absolutely. I mean, he was the first big time European player to to really make it and become a huge star. Yeah, I, I could maybe there's another one or two I'm missing. But. Oh, I'm sure there. Yeah, I'm sure, but I mean, not like they didn't have the impact like that. But but it was a pretty interesting argument how Dirk Nowitzki might have been as as much of a game changer or, or transcendent player as anybody that we've seen in the NBA. Hold so. on, here's a game changer. Just came through on Twitter as we're recording this. The Lakers have made another signing. Uh oh, Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson. So cover your ears. Don't let them blow in. <laughs> exactly. Look, I think Seriously, this just LeBron, came across Twitter as we're recording this. This LeBron thing. Clearly, they're going to try to surround him with with some people over the next couple of years here. And whether, like I said, I don't know whether it's going to be Kawhi Leonard or whomever. But this is, I think, is setting up much more for LeBron's post career as it is for like winning now. I think his. I don't know if he has any more NBA titles, and this doesn't shift the balance in the Western Conference, in my opinion. Not yet. I mean, we'll see who the Lakers can, you know, ultimately surround him with. Right, but they're Golden State still by far the best team in the Western Conference, even if they were to yeah, add and Houston's right, now, right there. Had, right, Houston's right had, behind. Yeah, them. you had Kawhi Leonard. All of a sudden, that things changed a little bit. But I, I really believe that LeBron's sort of looking now at sort of his post career, and I, for him, LA is the place to be. Well, I don't forget, he already owns a house there. He owns a house I mean, there, but I, I think he has he has plans for I don't know what his plans are post career whether it's to be an well owner he he is he is or, he's already doing some documentary films and producing get involved in well, entertainment. There's no right. better place to be than Hollywood for that. And there's no better place to be than alongside guys like um, Magic Johnson, who he's going to be working with now, and Kobe Bryant, who's who's starting his own sort of uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, company out in LA, so I, I really look at this as as LeBron starting to think long term, starting to think post career, as much as he is for his career. The Eastern Conference now becomes wide open. Celtics, I guess, are probably Celtics, not... Sixers, yeah. Um, and there's talk the Sixers may make some deals too, and then t- Toronto's right. still going to be pretty good, even though they fired their coach. <laughs> what did you say, Casey? Yeah. So there was, so a, there was, a, there was a tweet out there, and I don't remember who did it, but it, it was you know quoting Dwayne Casey. Parody wise, but saying, "Oh, now you trade LeBron, or, or now you <laughs> oh, now, now you signed uh, the Lakers." Yeah, now LeBron leaves leaves Cleveland. That's the only reason. Yeah, he'd still be in Toronto if LeBron <laughs> never existed. He might even have a couple NBA titles. So, um, no, it's, it's good for the league. It's good. It's good for the Lakers, um, obviously. And uh, boy, Cleveland can—they don't burn their jerseys this time, right? Um, I, I think they've got to be thank. I mean, he brought him a title this time, right? I, I mean, I think mm-hmm. I, you can be disappointed, and and you know. They got a big expansion of the arena that's probably going to have a lot of seats unsold and empty this year. But, I mean, he brought you the title. That's ultimately what you wanted. I mean, the, right. the whole documentary, Believe Land. 
Right. You know that. I'll tell you who is burning jerseys. Apparently, apparently Islander fans oh, are yes. riled up about John Tavares. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going over well on Long Island. Well, and, and and if I saw correctly too, he asked them not to trade him at the trade deadline this year. Yeah. And then ultimately, yeah. you get nothing for him. Right. They, he decided too late to work a sign and trade, so it's not like you could have signed him and then traded him, so that you at least get something back. You didn't trade him at the trade deadline. I'm mean, not saying that. You know, I mean, the Islanders' management for years was a mess up there, which is ultimately why he left. Not because of what Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz may do in the future, but because for years they've not surrounded him with enough talent and a plan to win. Yeah, it, it's too bad for Islander fans. It's Because I like it. It's a, it's a good organization. I like that organization. I like the fans there, and I like the fact mm-hmm. they're going back to Long Island eventually. Oh, absolutely, eventually. absolutely. Brooklyn yeah. was not a good fit for them. Brooklyn was not a good fit, but enjoy enjoy the new arena out there because you're not going to have a hockey team for a while. Not sure if you're watching the World Cup, but uh, we're in the knockout stage now in the round of 16 going down to eight teams. But Germany out in the group stage. Lionel Messi, out. Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo out in first day of the knockout yeah, stage. Argentina. Spain goes out. Spain's out. Denmark's and a pretty good team that goes out. Yeah, they're out. There's a lot of the big names gone from the World Cup. It's been – I watched uh, the games on Saturday. I watched a Messi game. I watched a Ronaldo game. Both of those games were enjoyable. And it's one of those things that it was – you like the to see, uh, you know, the upsets are fun. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, now i got to watch the next game without those guys. It would have been fun watching Ronaldo and Messi play against one another. Um, but I get it. I'm not a big soccer guy, I admit, but I do love the World Cup. Um, and now I don't know who, who's supposed to win now. I I, Brazil, I guess, is still in it. Uh, well, probably Uruguay. the best player left is Harry Kane from England. Yeah. Um, Brazil will be up there. Uh, I think Croatia's got a good team, I and mean, they had to go to penalty kicks to beat uh, Denmark today. But they've and really, it's no they've surprise really Russia won, right? That's rigged, right? Well, Russia it was hacked. I mean, they, they hacked it. They hacked the VAR, <laughs> and that's how they got calls. And I mean, you know, I mean, they essentially hacked to get the the World Cup and the Olympics in the first place. So, did you see that save that dude for Russia made in the in the penalty kicks? That, yeah, the one that with was the foot? as good. He yeah, kicked his foot up. He looked like looked like Vasilevsky. Yeah. In that, that. That's that that's the one thing Russia has a really good goalie. I mean, their team shouldn't win the tournament, but they have a really good goalie. And as in hockey, sometimes if you have a really good goalie, you can ride them. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Now, if the United States can get their act together and get in. Well, we know in eight years they're guaranteed to be there because that's That's the way the World Cup does when you host it. So thank you so much for listening to today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. And please give us your feedback. The show can be reached on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Rick Stroud can be reached at NFL Stroud. If you want to reach Tom Jones, he's at Tom W. Jones on Twitter. Of course, you can email Rick as well, rstroud at tampabay.com. And we appreciate you guys subscribing to this podcast and listening every day. And we hope you'll continue to do so. Anywhere you get your podcast, whether iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, you can uh, sign up right there. Click the subscribe button. That way it's downloaded to your mobile device or computer every day automatically so you can listen anytime you choose and if you could like the post or rate and review them as well leave comments that always helps us out and telling a friend that helps us out even more so thank you so much again for listening for rick stroud who's on vacation and tom jones this is steve versnick have a great monday mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.